You're listening to the Pod Station. Welcome to the BNI Genesis podcast. I'm not doing it alone. I'm not flying solo. My name is Mark Pollard, by the way. Uh, my business is Funky Vibes. I'm the president of BNI Genesis, so I've been given the short straw of doing this for the time being until I can uh, arm wrestle someone else to do it instead. Um, I have my apprentice in the waiting, uh, Mr. Dave Forrest. You've already heard from him previously. You did the first show, uh, but you fancy yourself as a bit of a guru on the mic. I'll give it a go. Yeah, why not? Hello, Mark. <laughs> Hi, Dave. How are you, you doing, all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Now, thankfully, you'll be pleased to know that it's not just us, um, because that'd be a travesty of justice to have yeah. to listen to us twice. We've got a guest, haven't we? We've got a very special guest today. We have got a very special guest. Our expert guru, who we're going to be plugging for tips and tricks to help you out in her specialist field, is Charlotte Simister from Cadegio. Hello, Mark. Hi, Hello. Dave. Hello. You all right? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm very well. Good. Very well indeed. Now, you're all wondering what specialty Charlotte is going to be indulging us with today. Do you want to unveil it, Charlotte, and let us know? What is it we're going to be talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about HR and recruitment. Oh, man. Everyone's going, oh, my God, HR. I don't want to do that. I don't want anything to do with it. I think it's safe to say that the biggest headache that most people have when they own a business is the staff. Yeah. That's fair, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And do, do, do you think Charlotte's probably one of the things that people last look at? They just get people in and then deal with it later? I think so. When people start a business, HR is not the priority. Yeah. Um, the business and the sales and growing that business is the first and foremost um, importance to them. As they grow, they get more staff. As they get more staff, they get more problems and issues. At that point, they find mm. that they've not got those processes and policies in place to manage those issues. Whereas if they've done that at the beginning, that would help them. And where did where did you sort of, you know, you, did you see a gap in the market or what? Yeah, did you where, wake up yeah. one morning and go, I'm going to be HR? Yeah. <laughs> what did, how did you start it? And it My background is HR and recruitment. Okay. Um, and I think it was... So you did wake up and just yeah, do HR? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, about 2011, I thought, hang on, there's a gap in the market here. There's, I've worked for a lot of different businesses and organisations over the years in different capacities. And I thought there's a lot of small businesses out there that haven't got HR support in place that need that support. Um and decided to set up a business. So I did okay. some contracting work for a couple of years and then for the last six years, um, I've been managing Cadejo, running Cadejo and helping businesses. Brilliant. And, and you say small businesses. I mean, I know you deal with any sort of site. You do with some big businesses as well. as You've done some big work with some big businesses yeah, as well. Yeah, I've you? worked with Bentley Motors. I've worked with Unilever. Yeah. Um, worked with IT solutions companies. Yeah. Um, so it, it varies, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the smaller companies tend not to have HR in place, yeah. the larger companies would. So therefore, I'd help them with the recruitment because that's yeah. what they'd outsource more yeah. so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it varies. A lot of industries now, you've got a sort of like an online version of something you can buy or a bit of software you can buy. I would imagine probably you going in there and doing a proper sitting down, looking in the eyeballs is that that's what you do and, and look into a business and become part of the business, is that it? Yeah, so I'd, I'd sit with um, the business owners, I'd look at their current plans, their future plans, what they've got in place already, what they haven't got in place um, and put some recommendations together and some processes and systems as to what would work with, with them moving yeah. forward as well. Yeah. How big a business do you need to be to need HR support? And I guess the other silly question is, what is HR? Okay, 
So the first question then, um, it doesn't matter what size business. If you've got one employee and they're on payroll, then you will probably need HR at some point if there's a sickness issue with them, if there's a disciplinary matter. Um, from a legal point of view, you're obliged to provide them with a contract of terms within two months of them starting employment with you. Um, things like discipline and grievance policies, handbooks are always good to have, whether you've got one member of staff or 50, um, because you want to manage those expectations of what you are expecting from them um, okay. in regards to process and policy. You've got a lot of businesses out there that have, have sort of self-employed staff, mm-hmm. but are almost employed. Is that something you can get involved in? Because there, there must be quite a grey area there. There is, and there's the IR35 implications yeah. as well yeah. um, with subcontractors and self-employed. Yeah. Um, there is a variance between what covers a self-employed contractor in regards to employment law so there are differentiators there um so it's always good to be careful and know yeah what those rules and regulations are yeah yeah yeah, if you you know someone's thinking of taking on some self-employed people yeah you can sit down and give us some advice on that fantastic yeah Yeah. what the worst habits you find people tend to have when it comes to hr they don't follow a process don't follow a process they don't fill out forms they don't log things and document things which is really important especially if you end up with a long-term issue with a a member of staff and you're not recording and documenting those Mm. scenarios when it comes to dealing with that it's harder to to manage you can't just sack them can you anymore no No. you can't no i suppose the thing (laughs) is is you've got or yes do because you can clear it all up for them but you've got it you've got to treat everybody the same i suppose the process has to be followed for everybody the process has got to be the same and i think it what for me what it boils down to and i say this to a lot of people it's not difficult. If you look after your employees, they will look after mm. you and your business. If you're fair with them, you give them equal opportunity, you're transparent in what you do, and you communicate with them, yeah. they'll look after you as much yeah. as you look after them. Communication, probably the biggest key. Yeah. So talk a little bit about between like doing it yourself and getting someone like yourself in and doing it. What What's the major pitfalls you could maybe somebody doing it themselves might not be aware of the employment law the legislation it's quite a lot of technical rules and yeah. yeah and there's quite a lot of gray areas as well some things aren't as straightforward as they no. they seem so by using my services yeah. um i can ensure that you're getting that advice and support that you need and that it's accurate it's current i from a, a professional development point of view keep my my own development current as well so that i'm up to date with any changes in legislation i suppose what you like you just sort of touched on it just before where you said you know if you, you treat people properly with a good process mm-hmm. it's going to enhance your business make you more money you know yeah. keep staff i mean turnover staff is probably one of the things that can kill a business really isn't it you know? yeah it is and i think if staff are happy and you know there's a high morale there and they feel um, valued yeah. you're going to get a lot more productivity out of them when staff become undervalued and they don't feel that they're getting the support from their employers that's when they tend to leave yeah and it's almost get do putting your in from the start you know putting something good in place can stop you having to come in at the end and deal with all the disciplinary stuff as well. yeah it definitely reduce that that risk because what we do from the start is put all the processes policies in place um train the managers and run some workshops to train managers Mm. on just the basic principles of hr so if they were suddenly um faced with a, a disciplinary issue or a sickness issue um, just to give them some kind of familiarisation around what they'd need to do, um, put all of that in place, and then work with the business and manage that as and when those situations came up. But I think a lot of the time when that happens, they won't arise. 
because we've got those processes in place. Yeah. I guess that's the issue with templated documents mm-hmm. where um, people will download a contract and assume yeah. that fits for their business, yeah. whereas actually yeah. you only find out when there's a problem that that one size fits all. Yeah. To me, it seems apply. like WH Smith have a, have yeah. a form for everything. A will. If you want to sponsor the show, WH Smith, yeah. just <laughs> let us know, info <laughs> at bnigenesis.com. Other retailers are take, available yeah. on the high street. I'm happy to but, take yeah. your money. But that's <laughs> yeah. a good point, Mark, because with, with contracts, with handbooks, with policies, um, the statutory legislation that you have to abide by, as a company, you can go over and above that, but you can't offer less than statutory. So in contracts or in policies... Um, sick pay for argument's sake you could offer statutory sick pay that is a legal minimum but you could as a company offer occupational company sick pay which is over and above that so things like that will vary so downloading documents might not always fit what you're intending for the business it's like anything isn't it anything we do it's got to be an individual You've got to, to you've got to understand what you're downloading, don't yeah. you? It's all right yeah. saying I need a contract, download yeah. the contract. But if you don't understand what's in there, you're yeah. never going to understand how it can be used, where the pros and the cons are. Whereas the member of staff, the first thing you're going to read when you offer it to them is going to be the contract because yeah. they're bothered yeah. because it Definitely. directly affects them. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of companies that don't issue within two months, and they should really, yeah, um, because yeah. that that is the the recommended leg- legislation. Someone's sitting there going, ah, I haven't done it, it'll be right. What sort, of, what sort of consequences do people face if they haven't done it? If there was a bigger issue with that employee further down the line um, that, and they ended up in tribunal for argument's sake, then the fact that they've not issued that contract of employment within two months could add to the, the claim amount if they yeah. were successful. So it could cost them money as well yeah. as yeah. stop them from getting rid of a problematic member. Yeah, as an example, a month's worth salary. Yeah. yeah. And I know you've 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 been talked to court and represented businesses and individuals, have you? Have you dealt with all sorts of different scenarios? Um, we've dealt with serious um, gross misconduct cases, mm. um, appeal hearings. Um, I've got a lot of legal support as well from a um, employment law solicitors that help if it gets to that difficult yeah. situation. But I'm I'm pleased to say that a lot of the um, the, a lot of the issues we have are resolved before yeah. it gets to that point and that's partly because we've got everything in place and we've we've got that file and we've ticked all the boxes and we've followed those processes it mitigates the risk further down the line so as a hr expert what sort of things would you recommend someone could do to make the staff feel incentivized or motivated or protected and looked after because my experience as being they are probably the biggest asset of a business but they can also be the biggest headache that goes with it Mm -hmm. so how do you get the focus to maximize the asset aspect it's changing the culture change the culture of the business let the staff know that you appreciate them um, that you want to work with them that you're going to give them opportunity things like employee surveys find out what they're all thinking really dig into what the employees think about the business about their role um, are they doing what's expected of them? Are they doing what's expected, what you're expecting of them? Um, and just really try to look after them in the sense that you're treating them fairly, you're treating them, treating them equally, and you know, you know what they're doing. I think some people, though, might... Uh, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I agree with everything you say. Some people might go, well, I do them a great boss. I give them loads of extra days off, mm. or I, yeah. you know, I let them come in a little bit late, but I get nothing back in return. Mm. 
is that something you just accept as being the norm? Is that just a perception from their side of the fence? They're thinking, well, I, I work extra hours, so I've earned the right to be able to come in a little bit later. And where does the line get drawn between someone either taking advantage or someone being underappreciated? I think that that's difficult to call because different businesses, mm. um, some will let people do that and let them come in late or go home early. Um, and I think it's building that that loyalty between the two. Um, listening to employees is massive. If you listen to your employees, uh, you can implement some of the ideas, suggestions, and that's a big one. A lot of employees feel like they're not heard yeah. and they've got a suggestion, they've got an idea, they've got um, something that they think will work really well in their department or in their role, but they're not listened to and they're not given that opportunity. I think sometimes if they are, that then yeah. builds their motivation. It's like any business, isn't it? Feedback's important, whether it be from clients, customers, you know, whatever, you, you know, yeah. people who work for you, you've got to take that on board, I suppose. And you sort of like try and build that into the process, would you? Would you do that? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think with one-to-ones, monthly reviews, appraisals, personal development plans, whichever you want to call them, um, there's a massive bugbear there with employees when it comes to their yearly yeah. appraisal in that the manager will put that in the diary, Tuesday, mm. 10 o'clock. The employee is looking forward to that because it's their time yeah. to talk about them, what they're doing, their aspirations, any grievances they've got. So they're looking forward to that 10 o'clock Tuesday meeting. The day before it gets cancelled yeah. because something else has come up. That message just shouts out that something else is more important than yeah. that employee. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't give yeah. a good sense of loyalty yeah. to that employee because something else is going to something take a priority take yeah. um, so that employee is going to think well I've got no time now that time's not mine to yeah. sit there and, and, and say what I wanted to and say they've, they've been waiting for that maybe for a couple of weeks yeah. know what they're going to say prepared it in the head and then obviously yeah. it's sort of like and then it, I suppose it gets to the point where I just won't bother then you know I'll just sit there and shut up type thing yeah, yeah. it's just which, the motivation which then from both goes. sides it's gone hasn't it yeah. really and and other part of your business is recruitment so I suppose that fits quite well does it with what you do on both sides because obviously you can bring the HR into recruitment company you know when you're doing recruitment and recruiting for someone that's yeah from a recruitment side um I recruit for a wide range of sectors um from junior level roles up to senior hires um it helps from a HR point of view in that when it comes to interviewing um contracts new starter packs um so it's sort of twofold um, with companies, I either help them with that side of it or they'll come to me and say, we've got to find this marketing manager. Um, can you help us? I work slightly differently to other recruitment um, companies in that it's finding out more about the role yeah. and the business. And do we need to fill that role? Is it the same role as it was before that person left? Uh, and look at it a little more holistically yeah. to make sure that when we do recruit, it's the right person and they're not just filling it quickly because they need to react to yeah. that and then three months down the line it's the wrong person or that role's actually changed and they've recruited the wrong person so it's a little bit more of a consultative approach i'm just going to say it is a consultant thing isn't it yeah. it's a one-to-one consultancy with that business rather than again your big recruitment companies just yeah. find someone to fill the role well i think everyone's been in a situation where they've been in a job 
and actually the nature of the job is completely different six months down the line and the management are expecting them to perform that role but the employees sitting there go hang on I never signed up for this in the first place Mm. and that does happen because sometimes businesses evolve that quickly that what they think they need when they recruit somebody is suddenly different six months later it's going back to personal development plans and appraisals they're really important because you need your employees to be on the same page as the business so if you're not doing those regular reviews you could be doing something completely different to what the employee is expecting you or wanting you and how do you deal with that? Do you how do you deal with the fact that the member of staff's jobs changed in very nature? And do you, is the first question: Are you happy with that being the case? Yeah, I think you consult with the employee and have that open, honest, transparent conversation with them to say, you know, when we brought you on board, these were the expectations. This is what we thought the role was going to be. But now six months in, and it has changed slightly. So, how's that working? Are we are we on track? Are you happy with that? Is there something you're not happy with? Because again, it goes back to that: get the most out of your employee. So, unless you're talking to them and finding out, you're not going to know. And from a from a sort of business point of view, we've talked about reviews and monthly reviews, whatever it is. Can you do that? Can you? Can you yes. be part? That's part of the process yeah. you can build into, rather than the manager having to do it or the owner, which is probably they don't always want to do that type of stuff so no and to be honest they should be busy looking after the yeah. business um, and not tying themselves down with things like that so yeah I can go out um, to different sites if there's multi-sites or if it's one office spend time with the managers or the team leaders and sit and do their one-to-ones their PDPs or, um, their appraisals and work with them to make sure that they're getting the right points yeah. across in those but the managers sat in there with me because they see them on a day-to-day basis yeah. to know what they're doing you need that step back yeah i think sometimes there's that misconception if you've got a member of staff and the manager or employer sitting there there's going to be a nice open no. easy going conversation mm-hmm. in actual fact i think it doesn't work like that reality, people will it? quite often clam up won't they yeah. Yeah. whereas if you can send in that separated individual yeah. you're more likely to have an open and frank conversation yeah i think they feel it's a buffer then because they've got that independent view and it's impartial and there's no emotion there no. because i'm just looking at facts yeah and scenarios as opposed to you know the characters and the emotion around the employee and the manager is it a stressful job because if you have to listen to people chewing your ear all day every day <laughs> i can imagine it's it probably get a bit grinding um, after a while it can do but I think I the reward I get out of it is that I'm helping people yeah and if I can solve a problem or I can see something improve through the measures that I've put in place then that's that's the reward and the value I see from it I think it's quite interesting when when we're doing these podcasts and you speak to people the people who are running the businesses and the reason why they do it it's all about helping people isn't it you know it tends to be that that one-to-one consultancy Mm. you know you can't it's just so valuable yeah. You know, and um, I think the advantage with using um, Godejo is that you are dealing with me. Yeah. And that is 24 7, seven days yeah. a week. Um, if I'm on holiday, if it's the weekend, if there's an issue or a problem, I will respond, I yeah. will help. Um, I've got clients that trade seven days. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's more about being there and being available yeah. to speak to. Um, there's other companies out there that provide HR solutions, but you'd never necessarily speak to the same person. No. So if you've got a long-standing issue over three to six months, for argument's sake, with a, an employee, every time you phone, you're going to speak to somebody different. Yeah. Whereas I've got that historical view of what's been happening yeah. 
with that employee. And have you ever had like a real emergency one where, oh my God, we've got to drop everything and get in there and do something? It's really the one where you can really think where. Are you, are you suggesting, is there any time when she's had to run in and sack someone drastically? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think because I wouldn't mess with Charlotte. Nice, Dave. So, you know what I mean? So I'm just seeing, I just want to see what it's like, but no, no. Anything There's been more? scenarios where we've had to suspend somebody right. um, and take them off site yeah. um, right. straight away so that we could then investigate the matter yeah. further. How do you dress for that? <laughs> do, you, do, you have, do you have to put like a serious suit on and, and like a mean face or, or, how, or do you have to go in nice and, and, and calm and friendly in case it all just kicks off? How do you deal you with that? You go in calm and you just explain that what they've done is not, yeah. not um, acceptable yeah. and that we need to look into it in more detail and while we're doing that we suspend them. Yeah, I've got a question about the recruitment. Uh, the myth of the CV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you have any tips for what people who might be looking to want to try and change the job might want to put in their CV to make it stand out more or be perceived better? With CVs, um, I think it's keep them simple. Have on there your work history from recent to previous and your qualifications, education, and then put your key skills, bullet point your key skills. But I think what tends to be... um, off-putting sometimes is if somebody just bullet points what they've done in a job role because yeah. that they've just taken that off the job description yeah. it, you get a lot more out of understanding what a candidate's experience is is if they're a little bit more detailed in what their actual role has involved yeah. so in if a marketing manager um just puts as a bullet point um released adverts that doesn't tell us anything about that whereas if they expand on that as to what they do with those adverts and the, the advertising markets that they use, that gives you a little bit more knowledge about what they've been doing and a bit of understanding so that when you do interview them, you can drill down on that more. Okay. How far back do you go with your, your employment history? Because if you're like me and Dave, so technically ancient, yeah. or just <laughs> the record, Dave's substantially more ancient <laughs> yeah, than I am. Um, <laughs> how far back do you go? Do you go back to when the wheel was invented, when Dave first started working, or, yeah. or do, do you only go back to sort of the last five ten years where it might be more relevant i would say the last five ten years Mm. are probably the more relevant if it's 10 years plus i would then summarize those previous roles um but the last five ten years are active relevant current experience and it might be that it's a completely different um profession to what you were doing 20 years ago so it's looking at the relevance i wouldn't discard what's happened previously because there might be some skills in there that are transferable that have come through oh i did some amazing work as a cocktail barman really yeah that was amazing if i told my story i'd been there for hours (laughs) (laughs) imagine it um yeah i mean it's sorry sorry, just one more question um keywords now do agencies sometimes use software that looks for keywords to wean out CVs so really good candidates might miss out if they don't have certain words in there or is is that just there a is myth? software out there that will do that yeah. um, that will pick up on keywords there's also um, software out there that you can use and you can put screening questions in that will also filter out the candidates yeah. so it's it, for a candidate looking they need to really read the job yeah. description and understand it sometimes they will put yes when they haven't got that relevance but you know when you come to look at the cv and you speak to them you can you'll find that out anyway yeah. so is it quite important when you look at the job description make sure your cv mirrors and touches on all of the key points in the job description 
Yeah, without yeah. fabricating it. But yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. For legal <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the whole CV thing is, you know, again, we, we talk about stuff. No one ever teaches you in school how to do a CV, do they? Well, they yeah. do. They just teach but how to just, do a rubbish one. It's that one page one, in it? You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's another sort of angle of the business probably mm. you can help people with. Yeah, definitely. Where element was the part that I was unfamiliar with, yeah. um, but someone told me about that. And, and actually, when, when I came across someone who was actually looking for um, a job, they struggled yeah. to get one, even though they, the, yeah. the CV read brilliantly yeah. because mm. their CV wasn't written in a way that naturally it would filters. get them through that first yeah. filter. And actually, if they'd have got through that first filter and got to an interview stage, they'd have probably yeah. got, mm. got most it. of the jobs they applied for because they were brilliant, but they just couldn't get that first hurdle. And do you, have, do you have any problems where, because I know some companies will employ sort of like te- you know, like an online test where you've got to answer questions. Oh, the psychometric tests. Yeah. Do you do deal with those at all? Or? Yeah, and I think um, I'm not, I'm a fan of them, yeah. but I think they've got their limitations yeah. because they can be manipulated. Yeah. Um, and it depends on that person's frame of mind that day as to how they complete those so they can be distorted now and again but it will give you an indication of personality or traits um and just going back to the job adverts and the software you were talking about mark there's software out there to help write job adverts um from an employer point of view and it will highlight different words that are neutral words that are too feminine focused too um, male focused and you can write it so that your advert then becomes um, more suited generally as opposed to focusing. Is that a paid for software or is that free? It's paid for. You could help a company write an advert, I suppose, would you? Or I can write the adverts and then like I'd that. probably, yeah. if needed, use that software yeah. um, to to make sure that that advert is, is to its full potential. Um, but because I've used that software quite a lot, yeah. I can tend to write the adverts. Write it anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic. Okay, so that's from the employee application point of view. From the employer perspective, you get a CV. What, what should you be focusing on? Because when I look at CVs, I almost disregard things like your GCSEs and your yeah. A-levels because I'm actually less interested in that. I'm more interested in what your previous history might mm-hmm. be. But, hell, I might be doing it wrong. Who yeah. knows, who Dave? Knows, who knows? Could be. Yeah. I would be looking at the um, gaps in the CV looking at the different roles they've had. Um, have they been logical moves? Um, does it make sense as yeah. to why they've gone from one role to another? Are there valid reasons for that? Has there been a natural progression? Is there a passion there on what they're doing? Um, and again, that detail around not just bullet pointing what they're doing. Does it tell me in more detail? More so explanatory um, through examples and scenarios. It needs to give that detail. Yeah. Um, so on to sort of interviewing when you want to interview for, for staff. What's the sort of pitfalls you could have, what you shouldn't say, you should say, or is there any, you know, I mean, sort of like is the time scales or, you know, if you really don't like someone. How long can you, you lock them in the room you, for? <laughs> how long can you go to the toilet for before you can let them out? <laughs> With interviews, it's, it's about planning and preparation for the mm. employer just as much as the candidate. So it's about looking at the, the advert, the job description, understanding all of that information um, setting out some questions, looking at what you're trying to get out of that interview. Is it going to be a one-stage process, a two-stage process? When are you looking to recruit somebody into the role? So are we looking that we want somebody in place by the 1st of November, in which case you'd work backwards 
people could be on a month's notice three months notice so work that back and then look at how long it's going to take you to do the interviews if it's a two-stage process you should be interviewing with somebody else with you so you could do the first stage but then if that person's on holiday for two Mm. weeks you can't do the second stage for two weeks yeah. So it's making sure you plan it. It's planning everything, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Plan it to know that you can follow that interview process to be able to then get to second stage, make an offer, they give their notice in and they can start on that date that you're planning for that recruitment drive to, to move mm. forward. So the first key is plan it. Um, second one is make sure you ask the same candidates, the same questions, the same candidates um, so that you're not being unfair or treating yeah. anybody differently. Um, I would definitely make sure you've got somebody interviewing with you because if you don't, there's nothing stopping that candidate from walking out and putting a grievance in or or saying that they've not been treated fairly or they've been discriminated against. So having somebody with you will will stop that. And again, part of your service, you you do that? Yes, you assist with interviews. Do the interview or or sit with them sort of thing. I I, I remember an interview years ago, a little story. I've already got stories to tell, haven't I? Went for an interview. This is how not to do it. Um, interview, same similar type of job. I was in a hotel. Um, sat down with the the big boss of the company, and then he he, he manipulated me into saying how bad my current job was and how I hated it that much. Funny enough, I didn't get the job. It was quite <laughs> bizarre. He was very good. You're very good at saying all the things I didn't like. But there you go. Not I true. mean, I, I I started interviewing people. I think when I was back 25. And how on earth a 25-year-old with zero formal training mm. could realistically... I mean, I'd like to think I did an all right job, but when I think about how I would yeah. perhaps perform an interview now, there's arguments of whether it's any better. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, I'd like to think it probably is better. Yeah. I think there's different interview styles as well because you've got your technical interviews, you can, yeah. you know, you've got um, competency-based interviews you can do ask them to do presentations so depending on the role and if you're going to do two stage then the first stage i would say you know tell them about the company the background the role because ultimately they've got to buy into you as much as you've got to buy into them so tell them a bit more about the role and then find out more about them and leave that there at the first stage because that will then give you time to reflect on that to bring them back for a second stage to get them to do a presentation whether it's a sales role marketing role for example on how they're going to build that role that they're going to come into is there a level of a job where actually asking them to come back for a second stage would be unreasonable it would depend on the role yeah yeah if it was a sales role you'd want to see a presentation from them as to what their forecast would be on how they were going to generate the income that you were um, expecting of them Um, if it was um, I'd say an, an administration-based role. You wouldn't necessarily do two stages. You'd do one, but you'd do yeah. like written tests, maybe, or check grammar tests, that kind of thing. We used to do typing. So oh, yeah. if, if, we, if we, we were hiring a new secretary, they'd, they'd have to listen That's to my dulcet dictation and tones and then oh type and see how many words they'd done in yeah. a minute or something. Was that from the legal when I was in? Yeah, that was from the legal no. days. I mean, from a candidate point of view, what what's the rule on death by PowerPoint? Because that seems to be like. <laughs> Everybody does PowerPoint. You can never have too much PowerPoint, Dave. Nonsense. Keep clicking, keep clicking and looking at the screen. You know, that must be so hard to... I'm glad I don't have to go for an interview. If somebody said to me, you need to do a 10-minute presentation, I would have probably five slides. Five slides, yeah. Um, Obviously, you've got your intro slide and your Q&A slide at the end, but I would have five slides and probably keep them to two minutes per slide. Yeah, and timing's key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you don't want to definitely. be going on for four. As we know, 10 minutes needs to be 10 minutes, Yeah, but can be 40 quite quickly, 
when you think you don't know nothing about your business and you're scared all week about standing up, it can be quite. So you've really time into key, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of the things you just mentioned there, I guess those are all processes which you take care of as part and parcel of that recruitment process. Because yes. I guess one of people's main questions is, well, why do, why don't can't I just recruit myself? It's about managing the, those applications because you know a brand awareness point of view if you have got people applying for your vacancy and you don't have the courtesy to respond to them what message does that send out Mm. as a business so it's that time as well to manage those applications to filter through them all to drill down to two three or four candidates that you want to interview and that's where I can take all of that away and just present two three four CVs where we can then go straight to interview and recruit I never thought that. Yeah, just making the process, just making it simple, isn't it? I delegated this job a long while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Not a natural people person. (laughs) Do it yourself. uh, I think we might have covered that a bit, but do it yourself versus getting someone professional in. I mean, there must be so many businesses out there just doing it themselves, aren't they? You know, and well, we talked about the pitfalls, haven't we, really? Well, HR, what what, what would HR cover? Obviously, the obvious ones are, are disciplinary and sickness. But there there must be other things. Yeah, there's the quality, diversity, bullying, harassment, um, absences. Um, Then you've got your things around suspensions. Um, If you take it to discipline, or there's a grievance, and that goes through a process of it, you know, appeal. Mm. So there's lots of different scenarios that could arise at any any point. Um, But I work with businesses for their needs at that time. Mm. So it might be that. You know, you've already got all the processes, policies in place. You just need that support and that advice as and when something arises. So we can do that on a package that's just email and phone support. Um, as the business grows, it might be that you want that support with one-to-ones or personal development plans. You want somebody on site there every now and again to just keep an eye on what's happening to make sure those processes and procedures are, one, implemented and two, being followed. So it, it's about a bespoke service yeah. that matches the business needs and again that can be ad hoc or yeah on a and we can tweak it and change you, it yeah. and ad hoc or retained yeah you mentioned before about doing training courses what what those courses on i run a hr workshop um which covers the principles of hr and it's a it's a day course it's aimed at business owners it's aimed at managers team leaders um somebody new to a business and it covers um, the basic principles of discipline and grievance, recruitment selection, sickness absence, equality, diversity, and bullying harassment. And it's not fun to go out of that workshop needing to remember everything I've said. It's more that it gives them a bit of familiarization so that if they're posed with one of those scenarios, they'll stop and think, what did Charlotte say about that? We it's need having to do an awareness, I guess. Yeah, isn't it? rather than a knee-jerk yeah. reaction. So if anything, that's all they take away from it is that they know suddenly they need to just check something before they react. That will mitigate risk to a business. But it also means if you've got five or six managers, they're all following the same process. So that that's a day workshop. And how much is that? That is £95 per person. And how often do you do those courses? Probably every quarter, but it's with demand. And is there any geographical location? No, because I can either um, arrange for it to be an individual site or we can go onto the client site. Okay, so it can be in-house as well. It's yeah. not just a, a mishmash. I was going to say a myriad. 
Huh? A myriad of other mortgage like, advisors are yeah, available. Yeah, myriad mortgages. If you'd like to sponsor the United yes. Genesis, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's both. I can you know run them where there's lots of different organisations yeah. um, that attend, which is good because that's from a networking point of view as well. Different yeah. businesses get to hear different stories, or in house where it is just a, a team of managers for the same business. So it that is also dependent on needs and demands. I'll work with what people need. Is there any particular industries, sectors, people that particularly need your services but might not even realise they do? I would say every sector mm. needs HR um, and every business at some point is going to recruit. Who's particularly bad? Um, I, manufacturing companies um, because of the nature of the work and the volume. Yeah. Um they can have a tendency to have a high volume of staff and again it's that managing that process but I think companies generally once they get to grips with what they need to be doing they tend to be good yeah. you see you can tell she's in HR because how yeah. tactfully did she yeah. answer that question yeah. that could no, have gone really wrong yeah I set her up there yeah. you'd need a Philadelphia lawyer to yeah. get in there and find something that could uh, sue you yeah no well done you passed the test yeah thanks and we got it recorded so there's no disputing how good she is at what she does okay we got anything else i think that's it yeah cool where can we find you do you have a website are you on social medias i have a website what's your website address it's um www.gadejo-ltd.com and if they want to email you inquiries at gadejo-ltd.com and are you on social media linkedin linkedin uh, so they can just follow you on LinkedIn. Yes, yeah, yeah. Fabulous. So if they want to contact you, is there a telephone number? There is. It's 0151 And presumably if they do contact you, it's just an initial free consultation, find out what it is they might need, what they want help yeah, with. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, I, I do offer that anyway to, to companies to go out and just sit and find out what they need, what they don't need, what they've got in place. Um, off the back of that, I would provide a report and recommendation um, as to what the findings have been, and then it's up to them if they want to take that forward, but that doesn't cost anything. Fabulous. You can find this podcast on the podstation.co.uk. Uh, I Genesis has socials, doesn't it, Dave? It certainly does. Can you remember what they were? We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram and all that, but I don't know. Twitter. Twitter. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. At BNI Genesis. Very good. I'll remember that. Consummate professional as always. Yeah, Yeah, so if you can follow us, that'd be cool. Um, Obviously, give Charlotte a a connect. I was going to use the wrong term then, and you get in trouble, won't you, if you use the wrong term for whether you're poking, (laughs) stroking, you end up in Um, HR, won't you? Yeah, we'll all be sacked, yeah. Following. (laughs) Yeah. What else do I need to... Oh, if you'd like to come to BNI Genesis and meet Charlotte in person... You can also yeah. meet Sexy Dave. You can meet me. That's at uh, Tramway Rovers on um, a Friday at 10 o'clock. So um, get in touch with us um, through either our email address, which is Mark. Info at bnigenesis.com. Yeah, drop us a line and come along and visit us and see what we're all about. Um, and you can meet all our lovely people and all our businesses and do loads of networking. Yeah, we'd also like to hear any thoughts and comments. You can give us a, a review on all your platforms, all your, where you get your podcasts, obviously, preferably five-star. If it's not five-star, don't tell us because we're emotionally unstable. <laughs> uh-huh. 
and if you've got any if you've got any questions for our experts so if you've got anything for charlotte then drop us an email there if you if you didn't contact her direct yeah cool fantastic that's it well thank you very much for coming Thanks, charlotte, charlotte. Been great to speak to you. and now no what won't get into anywhere near as much trouble as i could have no we'll all go not. back and reveal all our policies very quickly <laughs> all right thank Thanks, you very much Thanks, Thanks. Charlotte. cheers bye. Thank bye. You. bye bye Check out all our shows exclusively on the thepodstation.co.uk. Get social at the Podstation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.